Well, that's what we're talking about, about relationships. And if you have good relationship, then uh, that's a blessing. Amen. If you have bad relationships, tell me, no, that's no fun. They're not. But relationships are such a key part of our life in every aspect and in every area. And uh, I shared in first service, I just, I go over these things, then I reminisce over some of the things. After all the years you preach, you have all your old thoughts come up. And uh, we used to go to, how many, how many remember who Ed Cole was? Okay, a few of us. But years ago, Ed Cole, back in the 80s, uh, late 70s and 80s, Ed Cole started a ministry called Maximize Manhood. And uh, him and Ben Kinchlow from uh, the 700 Club way back then, and uh, he kind of coined that phrase. It says, you're, in, you, you're born a male, but it's a choice to be a man. Amen. Amen. And so to rise up to be a man, be accountable, be responsible. And so we'd go to maximize manhood conferences, just all men getting together and learning how to be men of God and stuff. And uh, so Ed tell the story about one of the guys that went home after being at a maximize manhood conference, went home and uh, told his wife, I am the man. Found out this weekend, I am the man. And he says, it was amazing. I actually got my wife down on her knees at the bed for the very first time in our whole marriage. And she bent down and said, come out from under there and fight like a man. (laughs) Amen. Another guy went home and said, I told my wife the same thing. And I didn't see her for three days. And on the third day, I was able to see her a little bit out of my left eye. (laughs) Amen. So we pray it goes better for you than that. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we're talking about building healthy relationships because we are better together. Amen. We are better together together. And the goal of building these relationships is that we would be in one accord. And the Bible tells us, especially in the book of Acts, we see that there's a theme in the book of Acts, and that theme is unity. It's being in one accord. One of, the, one of the purposes of the ministry gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is until we all come to the unity of the faith, because unity is a place of agreement. And we'll hit this a little bit in, in a little bit further in the message this morning. But the place of agreement is the place of power. Amen. When two people agree, Jesus said it like this. If two on earth shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Agreement is power. Unity is power. So the main thing that the enemy works against is keeping us from being in one accord and coming together in agreement and being able to stand and to operate in the place of power. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. Verse 14 says, these all continued with one accord. Somebody say one accord. In prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, as they're waiting there according to the word that Jesus gave them to tarry until the promise of the Father. And then when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and what? In one place. And so there they are in one place. And then in chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So there's something powerful when the church operates in unity or comes into one accord or we allow ourselves to be built together. Our relationship becomes strengthened and we're built together. The key is, is that the Lord begins to work adding people to the church. Amen? And so souls get saved, we see increase. And if you follow the book of Acts, there's amazing things that happen. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls come to the Lord. And within just the first few chapters of the book of Acts, by the time you get to the book of chapter 6 and the book of Acts, the church has grown to almost 20,000 people. Amen. But there's something about coming together and having unity and relationship. As we said in the first message in this series, when we talked about connection, you were made for connection. Would you agree? You were made. God created us for connection. Relationships, God created man for them, beginning with God, then with his wife, then with his family. If you go back to the Genesis account, find that God created man. Then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve and he gave him his wife. And then from there, out of that union would come a family. So the relationship order in our life, if you want to know what, what is supposed to be the order of my relationship, God is a God of divine order. Are you listening to me? He's a God of divine order. Man was created to have relationship with God, then with his wife, with his family, and then with community after that. And so that came out of that, there would be then with community. But, and then if you look at the next part there in your outline, we all live our lives in relationship. Whether you want to or not, you are daily involved in relationships. Amen. You're just involved there. There are personal relationships, one-on-one relationships, family, community, social, and vocational. You are in relationship all the time. There are all kinds of all different levels. Some of them are close. Some of them just, you know, passing by. And, and it's amazing. And it's so important that we would be relational people. Amen. We had funny while we were... Uh, on our vacation in Campy, my son Cody comes up, and we like to go out on a charter boat and catch a, a bottom fish there. Then we have a fish fry and stuff. And so we're getting on the boat, and we're standing there, and the, a dad comes down with his two sons. And uh, it's really kind of funny. His name was uh, Craig Gooder. And he goes, we're not better. We're just gooder. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and his son, Alex and Olin, and they're from Michigan. Michigan or Wisconsin, honey? Either one. They're from either Michigan or Wisconsin. Amen. They're both right together there. Huh? Minnesota. Yeah, they're from Minnesota. They drank a lot of soda. Yeah. In fact, I offered him coffee. He must have been because he said, no, I drink coffee. I drink soda. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, so we're on the boat. We go, oh, what's happening? Oh, we just flew into San Francisco. We're kind of driving up the coast. We're going to go up the dunes up here and uh, camp it out. And they had no plans. He's going out to catch all these fish. And he goes, well, uh, what do you do when you get them? So I had no plans what he's going to do. He said, well, maybe we'll go by the store. We rented a tent. We'll go by the store. We'll do this stuff. And maybe we'll get some, cook them over a fire, or grill them or doing stuff. I said, dude, why don't you just come to our camp and we're going to do a fish fry tonight. You can eat with us. And then they have no clue where they're going. They're just like, oh, it's an adventure. And he's got one son who likes everything detailed out. He's got the other son just a free spirit like this. So the one kid was frustrated the whole time, the older one. So anyway, I said, why don't you just come with us? And then said, hey, you could, just, you could pitch your tent there. You can spend the night with us, do whatever. We got space and all that stuff. But Cody, I got a kick out of my son, Cody. Cody goes, yeah. He goes, uh, dad's different than me. 
He said, I wouldn't have invited people. I might have had them over for dinner, but I don't know if I'd invited them to spend the night. He goes, they're strangers. Who knows what they're doing? But anyway, it was all. So we made friends. I now have friends with a new friend, a new relationship, and uh, with a friend in either Minnesota, Michigan, or Wisconsin, one or the other. <laughs> but whatever, he drinks soda. So anyway, then, uh, then as we were getting ready to leave, night before we get to leave, we always take a bunch of firewood so we had extra. And this poor couple's there, and they're trying to get a fire started. And you go to the camp post, they sell you wet wood. And uh, so, so, so we cheat. I take charcoal lighter fluid, and I start bonfire. <laughs> and stuff. So we get a good campfire going, so they come by. So I split them some wood and do all this stuff. And Craig and Catherine and their two little boys, they actually live in Auburn. And uh, so you just go down, you start talking to people and build relationships. What I'm saying, you have opportunity for relationship every day all around you. And you can make new friends. You can make friends that will, you may never see again that live in another state across the country. Or they live on the other side of the, the county where we are, something like that. But you never know. And maybe they're watching that. Craig and Catherine, I hope you're watching. I invited them to watch our live stream this morning. Amen. But they're just a wonderful couple with their family and their little boys. Beside that, I got to be a hero. I went down and lit their fire and their little boy goes, he's amazing. <laughs> he's magical. That's the way I roll. Amen. So God's good. Amen. But we live our lives in relationship, personal, one-on-one family, community. Think about it. Look at the qualifications for leadership in the church, even if you look at it, are based upon how well a person handles the relationships in his life. If you read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, we don't have time to read it all in this service, but in that area, it says that a man must have a right relationship with God, he must have right relationship with his wife, he must have his family in order, and he must have a good report in the community. So in order to be a leader in the church, if you desire the office of a bishop, Paul gives us requirements, and all the requirements for leadership are relational requirements. How you relate and act with one another, it is so important. See, our, play, our greatest place of struggle And opposition is also our place of greatest strength and victory and blessing. The enemy only attacks in the areas that release the provision, blessing, and strength of God in your life. Relationships are supposed to be the greatest blessing of our life. You know, there's two areas that you will deal with your whole life. One is finances and the other is relationship. Amen. So we're we're always having to deal with our finances, and we're always having to deal with relationships. But only one of those will make you rich, and it's not money. Amen. Wealth comes and flows out of godly and proper relationships. Can you say amen? True prosperity and true increase flows out of relationship. Because all ministry flows through relationships, the enemy seeks to cut us off. From our answer because of negative relationships experience. You could write this down. The the truth is, is that God comes to men through men. The way God is going to show up in your life is through people. God comes to people through people. John chapter 1 says there was a man sent from God. Speaking of John the Baptist. God has always sent men to men to bring his answer to them. So ministry flows through relationships. 
And we have to be open to that. But if I've had bad relationship and, and situations in our life, Pastor Sean, and, and I just want to say, I'm so proud of our pastoral team. We have such an amazing team. Can you say amen? Amen. And they've done an amazing job. But last week in, in his message on offense and stuff and the illustration, and that was so powerful. But what happens there, not only do you carry that, but that, 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 that fence there cuts you off from other people in this area. It keeps you from receiving the ministry that God's trying to send to you through people because you have that barrier in your life. And the only one losing is yourself. You're not, yeah, oh, I'm keeping people away, but it's not affecting them. You're the one. We are the ones being affected when we cut ourselves off from other people through offense. Amen? And so because God comes to men through men, the enemy seeks to cut us off from our answer because of negative relationship experiences. The way we interact with others in our present relationship can many times be influenced by bad or negative relational experiences from our past. Are you with me? Many people, because of what happened in their past, they're not able to relate or be open to people in their present. What happens in it becomes too easy to impose the pain and the wounds from our past that was done many times by people who were no longer in our life. People are carriers of things that happened or people did to them that haven't been in their life forever. But it's still, we're still carrying that and bringing that into our present. And so we need to be, allow the Lord to set us free in those areas. And then we place that upon those who are in our present but have never done anything to us. We merely judge them out of the pain that we carry from bad and broken relationships with others. So what's the result? Here's the result. The result is that we end up viewing life through lenses that have been scratched and marred by the actions of others. And unless we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to forgive and allow the washing of the water of the word to purify our hearts and mind, we will see everyone in our present and in our future through the clouded lenses of our past. Amen. Joe, come on up here, buddy. Yeah, I need some help. Amen. I pick on you because you're wearing glasses. Good. Yeah, that's all right. I'm going to help you even more. Amen. And so what happens is, and I use Rick for an illustration, but I wasn't going to pick on Rick twice. Amen. In first service. But it, the same thing would apply to Joe as applied to Rick, is that uh, this morning I came in. And uh, I'm setting up my computer and doing all this stuff, getting things ready to go. And Rick's up here. He's so faithful. He's here early. They're getting ready to practice before service and that. And uh, he goes, hey, pastor, good morning. And so he's greeting me. And I'm like, I just got, hey, Rick, and just kind of keep going on. You know, I don't really engage with him or something. But he's trying to be nice, and I'm busy and doing stuff. And so many times we say something to somebody, and they don't, doesn't look like they even acknowledge us or recognize us. And so what happens is that begins to bother us. Getting kind of blurry, Pastor. I can't see you. <laughs> okay. You know? And then you come in, then the next thing you know, Joe, you know, he sees Terry at the men's breakfast and stuff, and they hang out together. So I trying to build friendship, and every time he talks to Terry, Terry just kind of blows him off, you know? And that. How you doing? Are you going to help me down these stairs? <laughs> okay. Well, well I, got, I, got some green. I got some green on your nose. You're just kind of green with envy this morning. So how you doing? Uh, pretty bird. Pretty bird? Hey man, I gotta help you out. I got some stuff on your nose there. And so now Joe has clouded vision based upon other people, how they've responded to him. 
and reacted to him. Can you still see me? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I got something on your nose right there. I don't want you to have it. There you go. Great. <laughs> That's better. Your nose is good. The rest of you is kind of cloudy right now. Amen. Now what? So, so look at me. So through our interaction, that affected you and got into you, but it began to cloud your vision on how you see me and relate to me when those things happen. But like you say, now look out there. How do you see everybody else? Uh, pretty cloudy. <laughs> That's what happens. When we allow those things to happen to us, it, 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 it mars our vision. And it does, it's, it's no longer just between one person. It's now affecting everybody. Go ahead and walk back down oh, to your seat. You. Rick, thanks for the warning. Okay. Can you wipe my glasses, please? No, go ahead and walk down to your seat. Careful, careful. Okay, now what? So uh, coming up is all good. Amen? Okay, let me see your glasses. Wow, that's pretty good. You're a good artist. <laughs> I did you a favor. I spit on Rick's glasses in the first show. He was like... <laughs> I go, are you afraid of spit? He goes, no, I'm just really a clean person. I said, oh. I said, that's all right. I brushed this morning. Amen. Is that better? Uh, much better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's better when you came in, huh? That's what church is supposed to be about. It should be better for coming. Amen? Hallelujah. So look at your outline here. So what happened? Not only will my view of others be influenced by my past, but my own ability to, to see life as a whole clearly will be clouded as well. All of my judgment about life and direction will be influenced by my inability to see clearly. In fact, Rick in first service, he was going, he, he walked up here real good and he got up to go down and he's like, going back up. And so what happens is it makes us tentative just by, and we think, what's happening? How come these things are in our life? And we never realize it's because that we've allowed those things to mar our vision. We become carriers instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to release us and to set us free. Amen? And so Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 29, I want you to see this because everything in the Word of God has to deal with relationship. This whole book is a book of relationship. In Ephesians chapter 4, they'll have it up on the screen, you can follow along. And beginning in verse 23, it says that we are to, verse 22 says that we're supposed to put off our former conduct and the old man which grows corrupt according to seed flesh, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness, therefore putting away each one, therefore putting away lying, each one speak the truth with his neighbor. How many know that's relationship? So when I put on the new man, it begins to affect my relationship with other people. Every, uh, each one, uh, for we are members one of another. 20, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. How many know that if you're angry and you have wrath, that's directed towards somebody else? And so that's hindering your relationship and that your vision is being cloudy. But then it says this, nor give place to the devil. 
And so the thing that the devil looks for, he looks for opportunity to relationship, to separate us, to keep us from being in one place, in one accord, in the place of unity and the place of power. Amen? And so when we don't operate in this, we're giving access to him and giving him the right to operate in these areas. Verse 27. Or, or uh, 28, let him who stole, or, or, I'll just end right there, verse 27. And so we'll deal with that. And so all of it in relationship, the old man behavior is to put that off. And Colossians 3 takes it even further. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 talks about the lust of the flesh. And all of that has to do with improper relationship with people. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, in, in verse 22 through 26. In fact, just turn there, Galatians 5. Let's do that one uh, on the fruit of the Spirit because it's powerful the way it ends. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those are all relationship qualities. Are you listening to me? Those are all relationship qualities. Verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. Verse, verse 24, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So everything about that passage affects relationship with other people in our lives. Would you agree this morning? Amen. And so relationships are the most rewarding and the most challenging aspects of our life. There's no perfect relationship that never faces problems, requires no adjustment. People go, I'm looking for the perfect friend. It's not out there because as soon as you find the perfect friend, they have to be friends with you. <laughs> Amen. Or wherever you want to take that anyway. Who say, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, if you find it, don't go there. You'll mess it up. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's no perfect relationship that never faces problems, requires no adjustment, that places no demand upon our time and resources, that does not change and grow over time if it's going to survive. If a relationship's going to survive, it's going to have all those aspects. It was never God's intention that we should be alone as individuals in life or as individuals in the church. There has always been a plan in the wisdom of God to have our lives complete through addition, connection, and relate. God's wisdom is that we become complete through relationship. We are better together. Can you say amen? But the devil, is the, the devil is the great isolator. The Holy Spirit is the great connector. When you think about all the terms about the body of Christ, we are baptized into the body. We are members of the body. We assemble ourselves together. We build ourselves together. Every joint supplies to the need of the whole. Everything is about connection. Amen? It's not about us just coming in and doing our own personal life, but it's about living in community and connection and fellowship and in agreement together so that the power of God can move in the earth. Almost all of the pain in life comes from the disconnection that results from broken relationships. 
And even in a lot of areas, how, how, many, how many people, many times people, they're growing up and, and young kids are growing up and because of hurt in a family relationship, because of brokenness in the home and, and improper relationships in the home, children are exposed to all kind of pain at an early age and then they begin to lash out as a result of that broken relationship and then we get involved in rebellion and all kinds of inappropriate behavior that, aren't, that isn't affecting anybody else. We're not getting back at anybody. The old thing, I'll show them, bless God, you know, we get out there. The only person being affected by those choices is ourselves. The only one damaged by that is we're only doing damage to ourselves. So when we are disconnected from purpose, we produce the failures of life that leave us with broken hearts and broken life. We were created for connection. Could you say amen? We were created for connection. And hear me, anything that God ordained, the enemy fights again. And if you just stop and think about your life and people you know, one of the greatest struggles in life is this area right here, relationships. How do we do relationships? Amen. And it goes on. You raise your kids, having relationships with your kids. I found out later, as a parent, I'm not called to be my kids' friend. They need me to be their parent. Amen. I'm great friends with my kids now. Amen. I actually like my kids. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But what I'm saying is that there's that area we're trying to do that, but, but relationships evolve and they develop and you build them and we are created to have that in life. So why is it so important to build healthy relations? First of all, because God is a covenant God. God is a covenant God. Amen? Sean said it in the offering, covenant. We've done a lot of teaching over the years on covenant, and it's so important. If you don't understand, actually, if you don't understand covenant, you'll never understand this book. Without a pro and, and what's hard is, is that the Western mindset, Western culture does not understand Eastern covenant. This is not a Western culture Bible. This comes out of a totally different culture than you were raised in. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to renew your mind to the truth of God's word. This is a covenant book. It is the old covenant and the new covenant. And covenant, look in your outline there. Covenant is a relationship agreement between two parties, both the old and the new covenant, are defined relationships with God. The old and new covenant define relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with God? According to the terms of the covenant. If you have ideas on how to have a relationship with God that aren't in the terms of the covenant, your relationship with God is not working. But if I learn the terms of the covenant and I operate and I walk in that relationship according to this, th these are the terms of relationship. How to have relationship with God to be in covenant relationship with Him. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's the first reason that it because our relation, man was created for relationship with God first. And then the next re relationship, as we said earlier, was with his wife, then his family, and then his community. And so secondly, because the place of agreement is the place of power, Unity and agreement mean being in one accord and is the place of power for the church. When the church is in agreement, the more people we can gather together in agreement, the more power the church has. The more the church come together in one accord, the more power we have for doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. How many know that we are in a battle? Amen. And so what we need to do, when the army, the more people you have in the army, you have a greater force to take to take 
you know, to advance the kingdom. Are you listening to me? We want to advance the kingdom, but people have to be connected for the right purpose. Look at this. Division means this. Divided vision means divided for. Division means two vision. Die is the plural and vision is singular. When you have division, you have double vision. And you can't walk going in two directions. You can't walk with double vision. How many, how many know if you go, doctor, doctor, I'm seeing double. And they're going to try to look at your eyes and correct your eyes and do all that stuff. In fact, let me just interject it because Larry came up to me after first service and he's been having trouble seeing. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you have cataract. You have a, a, a one on your left eye, uh, your right eye that we need to correct right away. And on your left eye, you have one that's centered that is focusing and it's clouding your vision. And the only way for you to do that is we need to remove what's clouding your vision so you can see clearly. Amen? And so it really does. It affects, you know, what we do and, and how we see in that area of vision. So, but if I have cloudy vision, if I'm seeing double vision, I want to have a way to correct that so I can see singularly and have, not have my force divided. Divorce also means divided union or another divided unity. And so two people, if there's no unity and there's no vision there, then there's no power there. Are you listening to me? And so this is so key to our life. The devil sows division to produce divorce to render the church powerless, sterile, and impotent, leaving it unable to reproduce life, excuse me, by the working of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, because revival comes through unity. Revival comes to the church through unity. We read it in the book of Acts. They were all there. They continued in one accord, going house to house. People say, well, why are home fellowships so important? Because we need to build relationship. We're building relationship, and here we're in rows, but we're going to build relationship in circles, in community together. And the more we get to know one another, the stronger we are together. But as we get to know one another, we're going to find out that people are different. Just like me, I tell everybody all the time, when I come to church on Sunday, I, I try to be cordial and polite, but my mind is on the message and what I'm doing. And so like with Rick, Rick says, hello, hey, how you doing, man? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on mission. Yeah. Amen. And I try to stop, stop and be nice. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Rick. How are you this morning? How was your week? I've been on vacation. Haven't seen you for a while. How was things going while I was gone? That ain't going to happen. Amen? And so, then you'll go, because that's just not me. Amen? And so, but in personality, that's a thing that we accept. We understand everything is different. And when it comes to relationship, if you expect everybody to have your personality, man, the whole world would be vanilla. You need some chocolate sauce in your life. Amen? You need some spice? Amen. I tell my wife all the time, I'm the jalapeno in your salsa. Hallelujah. I'm the spice in your life. Glory to God. Amen. Without me, it'd just be tomato sauce, baby. Amen. <laughs> Teasing. Hallelujah. So watch it. Yeah, I'm crazy. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'll do stuff. I'll invite people over. I don't even know. Amen. I used to do that all the time at our homes. Had people passing through. We were up in Bieber. We had all kinds of crazy. She was saying we had all kinds of crazy people coming through. I had people sitting on my front lawn eating dandelions. They were the rainbow people. And they were on a way, they were heading up to Canby up there by Alturas, and they were going to some big gathering, and they said, hey, Mary and Michael are going to be there. I said, Mary and Michael, who are Mary and Michael? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Michael, the archangel, they're going to be there. I said, is that right? <laughs> I said, I tell you right now, I won't be there. 
Amen. But they're all dressed up and they're sitting there and they're eating things. And so they asked and they've got sheets on and all this stuff and they're hitchhiking through the air and they asked if they could wash their clothes up so they come in and do laundry. And I like to hunt so I had killed this nice big buck and I had him mounted and I had this buck head buck mount in my living room and they come walking out there and they go, there is death in your house. I said, death in my house? What do you mean? You got that deer head hanging up there. I said, yeah, there's death in my house but there's meat in my freezer. I'm not sitting out here eating dandelions, glory to God. Amen. How did we get off on this? Amen. So, revival comes through unity. The book of Acts is a record of unity in the church and the gospel being taken to the whole world and turning it upside down. Multitudes come to the Lord. Entire cities are read. That's what it says. Acts chapter 76. Say, those who have turned the world upside down have also come here because of unity and purpose and power working in the church through right relationship and connection. The church was turning the world upside down. What is happening today? The world is turning the church upside down. Amen. But if we get back into right and build healthy relationship, godly relationship, we can see revival in our nation. Could you say amen? And then number four, because our most important relationship is with Holy Spirit. We need to understand that God has chosen to interact with us in this age. He sent the promise of the Father. Holy Spirit has been sent, poured out upon all flesh so that God can have relationship with us by and through His Spirit. That is so important, and we need to build that relationship. Relationships with people either hinder or promote your relationship with God by His Spirit. Right relationship. You know what? You can walk in love towards anybody, but I don't have to be in relationship with just anybody. Amen? And so you're always looking. It's just like these two families I said we met. You get time to pray for them and witness to them and doing everything else. It was so funny. We were sitting around the campfire with Craig and his son, and he is out on the boat, and uh, he's popping beers and doing stuff. So we're sitting around the campfire, and we're all talking. We had prayed over dinner, kind of telling about life and stuff and witnessing to him a little bit. And then while we're sitting, he just kind of, he didn't know what to do. He goes, anybody want a beer? And his son speaks up and goes, Dad, I'm pretty sure you'd be the only one drinking one right now. <laughs> Amen. It was awesome. Amen. So anyway, but in this area, that God, there's right relationship, good And so in there, but there's a thing where you begin to have influence into those relationships. How many know what I'm saying? Just your conduct and your relationship, but not you being influenced by them, but them being influenced by you. Bad personal relationships can hinder our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hear me, He is a person with whom we are to be in relationship with. He is our comforter, teacher, and friend. He leads us, He fills us, and He empowers us. And when relationships aren't right, and we know it. When Sean shared last week about offense in those areas, when I know I'm a carrier of offense and I know my vision is cloudy and I'm judging everybody out of my pain and out of my path, then I know in my heart I'm not right before God. And so then now I have no more boldness at the throne of grace. And so I'm telling you, I pull back. It affects my prayer life. It affects my faith and my confidence towards God. Paul said to Timothy, he says, Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.18, we go out our we go out armed only with our faith and a clear conscience. And when it comes to relationships, to have a clear conscience, our relationships have to be right. And the only way for that to happen is for us to walk in forgiveness. So here's the key as the worship team comes back. Key to remember. 
The main theme throughout all of Scripture is forgiveness. This Bible begins, as soon as man falls, God begins declaring forgiveness and restoration. The theme of the Bible is redemption and restoration. Amen? The theme of this book is redemption and restoration. God restoring man back into a right relationship with him. And when I keep my relationship with God and I value my relationship with him above every other relationship. How many know before Adam had a family, he was God's man? Before Adam had a family, he was God's man. God created man to be in relationship with him. You were creating relationship to be in relationship with God. How many know that the Bible says in heaven there will be no marriage? And you are now called sons and daughters of God and family. The, the family and the relationship. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what the devil does is he likes putting anything he can above God in your life. One of the biggest things that's happened in, generationally in, in the church these days is that family has been elevated above God. I'm supposed to minister to my family first, and, and, get, and family gets elevated over God. No, God is always first in your life. Keep God first in your life, in every aspect of your life. That's why even when it says in Proverbs and Finance, honor God first in your life, and everything else flows good. You, you keep God first, then your relationship, if you're married with your spouse is important, and then your children and your family, then your job. But if you put your job before your family and your, and your wife and your children and before God, you're out of order. And then things don't work. And then that frustrates, that, that relationship order gets messed up. And that begins to affect every other relationship. Well, why am I having so much conflict in all these areas? Because things are out of order. God is a God of divine order. Can you say amen? So we get that. Only through forgiveness, hear me. Can a relationship survive? Everybody look up here. Only through forgiveness. I don't care what relationship it is. How many of you ever got offended at work? Somebody did something. Amen. Only through forgiveness can any relationship survive. So you have to determine at the beginning. You must purpose beforehand to be a forgiver. It's impossible, Luke 17, 1, and Sean referenced it last week, it's impossible that offenses are not going to come. It's impossible to go through life and not have the opportunity to be offended. How many have ever heard somebody say, I take offense at that? I take offense. The opportunity to be offended will always come. You just have to choose to pass them by. I refuse to take that. Here, here is present. No, no thank you. No thank you. Amen. I, I, I'm not a taker of that. I, don't, I choose not to take that. Are you with me? I choose to forgive and to release that. You see, the Father chose to forgive us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's amazing. You read Ephesians chapter 1. That God purposed in himself, in Christ, to re, in, the, the Father purposed in himself to receive us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Wow. Isn't God good? So before anything started, God chose from the beginning to be a forgiver towards us. We need to live our life in relationship with that same concept. Understand this. The one who benefits most from forgiveness is the person who forgives. When you walk in forgiveness towards others, when you live to have healthy relationships and refuse to be offended, the other person really isn't the beneficiary. You are. The person who forgives 
is the greatest benefactor of forgiveness, not the other person. I found this to be true. God's word is true. How many believe the word of God is true? Listen to this. If you understand this, Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So when people are doing things that could be taken as offensive or treating you badly, they're sowing seed that they're going to have to reap the harvest of. There's a payday, a harvest is coming their way. Now, I choose not to partake of that. So the best way to do that is not to be offended by that. Just keep loving anyway. My pastor had the best statement. He just said, just be big like God. Just be bigger than that situation. Live big like God. Live free. Amen? Just live free. Let that thing go. Because if you don't, that, that gets in you. And the only one being affected is you. And like I said, Sean did such an amazing job last week with that. But I want you, on the very back page of your outline, I put this little story. And as I close, this picture goes with it. I, I saw this, and I just said, man, this is so good. But here's this cobra. And it's trying to eat this saw, or actually kill this saw. And it was this picture was connected to this little story here. It says, one night a snake, while it was looking for food, entered a carpenter's workshop. The carpenter, who was rather untidy man, had left several of his tools lying on the floor. One of them was a saw. As the snake went around and around the shop, he climbed over the saw, which gave him a little cut. At once, thinking the saw was attacking him, he turned around and bit it so hard that his mouth started to bleed. This made him very angry. He attacked again and again until the saw was covered with blood. Dying from his own wounds, the snake decided to wrap itself around the saw and began to squeeze with all of its strength but only ended up killing himself. Sometimes we react with anger, not realizing that we are only hurting ourselves. In life, sometimes it's better to ignore situations, ignore people and their behavior. People say and do things, but it's our decision to react in a positive way. Amen? Proverbs 15, 1 says, a soft anger answer removes anger and rough words raise rage so for any relationship to be strong and healthy and enduring it must be built upon the foundation of forgiveness would you bow your heads with me this morning maybe you're here today and I really believe God has been working through this series to really help people get free in their lives to be able to have the God kind of relationships that He ordained for us to have. And many times, some of those things, we're carriers from our childhood and from our past without even realizing things and wounds that were done. And it still has marred our vision in life moving forward. And we can look back at those people and when we look back, it stirs things up in us. But if we look back and dwell on that, it causes our our, our sight and our lenses to be clouded with the pain from our path. And then when we look forward into our present and our future, we're seeing people out of that pain and not as they were. I shared this in first service. We had just been going a few years in the church, about six years. 
and a couple had moved up from Los Angeles and become a part of the church. But the church they were in in Los Angeles had, uh, uh, was a church plant like us, but it got to a certain place and then some problems arose in it and it kind of fell all apart and they got kind of hurt and wounded through that. And so we're at a place of transitioning, developing and doing kind of like we are now, some, re- some recalibrating, restructuring. And uh, the lady came into my office and just went off. And her, she started the statement with, this is just like that. Which meant that she, was, she had never been set free from what happened there. And now she's looking at this through those clouded lenses where she is now. I said, no, this is not that. This is here. That was there. This is here. And you're imposing that upon us, making us accountable for something we did not do. And when we do that, that's what's happening in our present. If I'm carrying anything from my past, I'm making people in my present and in my future be accountable for that when they had nothing to do with that. Amen? So bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, you know what? There are some areas I just need to release out of my life for one reason and one reason only not for anybody else's benefit just for my own I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with God and Holy Spirit I want to be able to have pure faith a pure heart and a clear conscience before God I don't want to bring that into here, into now into my present and into my future today I want to release all of that out of my life I want God to clear my lenses, remove the cataract cloudiness from my past, off of my eyesight, give me clear eyes, clear vision, clear purpose for my present and for my future.